Welcome, everybody. Uh, welcome, Garbos, back to the Garbage Club, serving only your finest garbage with your, your Garbage Club members this week. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Ryan. And I'm Vivian. Uh, and this week, we watched Machete. Yeah, um, I am to blame for picking Machete. It's, um, for those who don't know, it's a Robert Rodriguez-directed uh, grindhouse action film starring Danny Trejo, and... Boy, does it ever star Danny Trejo. <laughs> <laughs> it came out in 2010, and I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly when... And yet it seems so, so recent. <laughs> Yeah, we <laughs> we can get into the the movie's unfortunate political relevancy uh, a bit later on. But I think the most interesting uh, thing about Machete is its its genesis, its creation myth. <laughs> so Machete Machete is a religion now. I mean, you've seen the movie. It was it was a spiritual experience. That's true. That the end had some real like propagandistic imagery. I mean, it ends with Machete saying, "Why do I want to be a man when I'm already a legend?" So, but it all it ends with like him up on like the tallest garbage heap, and then his two women lieutenants stepping up on slightly smaller garbage heaps, and they're all like backgrounded with fire. Uh, if I can find an image of this somehow, I'll post it. But uh, don't get your hopes up. It's rad as shit. That's <laughs> what it is. It's super rad. And I, I haven't seen the sequel, Machete Kills, uh, yet. But I do assume that ends with him saying, Why do I want to be a legend? I'm already a god. quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and then in Machete Kills again, anyway. he's like, why, why would I want to be a god when I'm already a non-believer? <laughs> <laughs> Scum full circle. So, rewind the clock. Machete is a movie where Danny Trejo plays a sort of down-and-out ex-Mexican federale, and the movie was made as a vehicle for Danny Trejo, because basically, back in 1993, Robert Rodriguez was making... Desperado? I don't remember if it was El Mariachi. I I think it was Desperado was the first one he was in. And Danny Trejo had a supporting role. And it turns out Danny Trejo is actually Robert Rodriguez's second cousin. But as far as I can tell, they may have met on the set of Desperado. And Robert Rodriguez was totally taken with this guy. He's like, he's huge. He's super dramatic. There's like people from the nearby town uh, driving out to look at the film shoot and all assuming he's the star of the movie. (laughs) Just driving by Antonio Banderas, like, whatever. This guy. <laughs> we want to see he, Danny. He's one of the most intriguing-looking people, right? Like, there's there's just something incredible about the way he looks. He's got a face like a, like it was carved by a glacier. It's, like, it's, he's, it's something geological about him. Yeah, like, it, it, looks, it looks like he actually stepped out of, like, a gritty 90s comic. Oh my god, yes! Like, he wasn't drawn by the same artist that the rest of us was drawn by. (laughs) (laughs) I could totally see him being drawn in, like, that, um, kind of black and white noir style. It's 100% what his face looks like. So, 
Robert Rodriguez has Danny Trejo in, in Desperado. And Danny Trejo is also so like super nice and super excited to be there. And it's like, I want a speaking, like, give me a speaking role. Like, I, I want to show what I can do. I want to show what I can do. And it, it doesn't fit in Desperado. He can't make, um, he can't, he can't make room for that, like, character to have, have lines and things, um, for whatever reason. But Robert Rodriguez is super taken with Danny. And so he goes, and in 1993, he writes the first script for Machete. And Wait, seriously? Yep. But other things happen. He makes From Dusk Till Dawn, a bunch of other movies, makes Spy Kids. Spy Kids. Very important. Robert Rodriguez continues casting Danny Trejo in a bunch of these movies. He's in the Spy Kids series as Uncle Machete. So, presumably, like, it's all one connected universe. <laughs> For um, sure. I thought it was explicitly all one connected universe. Including, like, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, or the... What is it, the Mariachi Trilogy? Yeah, the Mexico Trilogy. Um... It's, it's like Antonio Banderas' wild younger days. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, these are all clearly prequels. Like, this is what Uncle Machete was up to. Well, he's, he's also big friends with Quentin Tarantino, who also does the thing where all of his movies take place yeah. in the same world. Um, and in fact, in Machete, there's an Easter egg where they, they sort of print off Machete's rap sheet at one point, and all of his aliases and names that he's had in other Robert Rodriguez movies. Yes. I'm guessing, like, some of those characters might die or something, like, I'm not sure it fully works as a jigsaw puzzle, but it, it's a nice touch. Um, yeah, Dan Trejo's usually playing, like, the big bad dude, that, like, the muscle, right? Right. So he usually dies in most Robert Rodriguez movies. So, I, I like, that's one of the best things in this one, is he's, like, the hero in this one. Yeah, so for, I mean, over ten years, for, like, 14 years... Robert Rodriguez is sitting on this script and, like, this unfulfilled promise, I'm gonna make you a leading man. Because this is the first film that Danny Trejo uh, was the star of. Um, he's always been a supporting actor up until this point. And so, in in 2007, they release uh, Grindhouse, the, like, Robert Rodriguez Tarantino double feature with um, Planet Terror and... Death Proof. Death Proof, thank you. Death Proof is the Tarantino, Kurt Russell movie. Um, Planet Terror, also great. Totally want to watch that on a later podcast. Oh, um, yeah. But as part of that, they have a whole bunch of fake movie trailers. Uh, Eli Roth did one, Tarantino did one, a couple other people. Edgar Wright did one, uh, which was great. Was don't? Don't. Oh my god, Don't was so good. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the trailers are by far the best part of that movie. And yeah, look them up. Machete was widely considered one of the best trailers. Um, and so, yeah, Machete was included as a trailer um, for in Grindhouse. And they got a bunch of actors. They got Danny Trejo. They got Cheech Marin. They got... I don't think Michelle Rodriguez was in the original trailer. But they got a bunch of, bunch of cool people. Recorded a few hilarious scenes from the script. Put it out there. Shit blows up. So... Three years later, they've just gone and filmed the whole movie. Um, and it was originally actually planned to be a DVD extra uh, on the Planetary DVD. It was just like, oh, so machete. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it was popular enough that there was actually a bidding war for a bunch of different studios to try and um, to try and land the rights. I think Fox eventually produced it. Um, 
and it got a full full theatrical release. And by the time all that had happened, they'd managed to pick up like an incredibly impressive cast. Because in addition to Danny Trejo, we've got Robert De Niro as uh, the villainous Senator McLaughlin, uh, Jessica Alba as the immigrations officer Sartana, uh, Steven Seagal playing apparently the first villain of his career. Playing a huge weeb. <laughs> oh my god, he's so weeby, it's amazing. He's, he That's... <laughs> plays a Mexican drug lord with uh, a katana, a kimono, a Japanese wife, and like these I don't, tiny I don't think, sunglasses. I think she can truly be called a waifu. Like, <laughs> she, she basically just follows him around because I'm pretty sure he pays her too. Japanophile is my favorite, like, archetype of, like, for villains. Yeah, I mean, like, after ever. seeing this, it's my favorite also. <laughs> <laughs> movie also features uh, Michelle Rodriguez, who's in a lot of Robert Rodriguez movies, although no relation, as far as I can tell. Um, <laughs> despite Robert Rodriguez's tendency to cast his family uh, wherever possible. Uh, she plays Luz, who is, um, spoiler warning, also she, head of a uh, Mexican illegal immigration support network. Uh, and if you turn on the subtitles to this garbage club, you'll see that she has a little accent on the E, like <laughs> Che Guevara. They have, like, before they start using it in speech, they have to show you a poster where it's written, because it makes no sense. No. <laughs> it, it, it sounds, it's just, everyone's like, she, she, and it's just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we've also got Cheech Marin uh, revising his role as Danny Trejo's brother, who's also an ex-federale, but is now a priest, and is referred to by everyone as Padre. Like, I think his name might actually be Padre. <laughs> um, and it's rounded out by uh, Lindsay Lohan as April. Forgot uh, Robert De Niro. Forgot Jeff Fahey. Fahey? I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he plays Booth, who is uh, sort of like an evil political wheeler dealer. And April is his... Um, problematic drug addicted daughter with a uh, online uh, sex video business thing which comes up again in the plot <laughs> but anyway it's a really good cast apparently they're able to attract a lot of um i mean they cast a lot of good people for the trailer but apparently when robert de niro came on for the feature that made it like suddenly very legitimized <laughs> people like this script is stupid but de niro's in it so uh. <laughs> and yeah, so from this script in 1993, it took them 17 years, but eventually they they put out this movie. Yeah, and also, uh, I guess, to go back to the political uh, bend, I when we were watching it, we were talking about how it was like 2010, so it made sense to have all of this... Um, like commentary on immigration because uh, the main villain basically is trying to pass legislation to severely inhibit legal immigration. I think illegal. He wants to build a wall. He wants to. He wants to build a wall. Okay, I thought he was it's also hot off the bush years. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but then if he actually started writing this in 1993, like it was a very ahead of its time. Uh, I I think like Californians. Like, have been racist for a while. 
Well, everyone's been racist for a while. I guess I didn't realize that we were specifically racist against Mexicans for so long. I, I think <laughs> the initial script, I think, was a bit different. I think the so so the initial pitch in '93 was basically Robert Rodriguez had heard. I don't know if it's true, but there was a tendency in American federal agencies like the FBI, DEA, mm-hmm. CI, etc. For certain, like, dangerous or messy jobs, um, instead of sending one of their own guys to do it, they'd hire a Mexican federale for, you know, $25,000, sort of like peanuts to them, but quite a lot of money um, for the for the federale, to go do the job for them. And he was like, oh, this is so cool, like, Danny Trejo's this guy, he's got, like, all of the skills because he's a federal agent, but he's also, like, kind of a rogue, and he goes on all these adventures. In the script that was written, I guess, pre-2007, he turns it into more of this immigration political commentary and a revenge story, because in classic Robert Rodriguez fashion, um, the hero's wife and family are murdered in the first scene, and then he basically just spends the rest of the time searching for revenge. Um... You front-load your pathos, you know? <laughs> yeah, why don't we... Should we dig into that first scene? Because this movie does a, a great job <laughs> yeah. coming in on all cylinders right at the start. <laughs> Begins with uh, Danny, or I should say Machete, uh, and his, his, his partner driving their cop car in, in Mexico. And they, uh, they get a call from the chief on their little, like, radio, you know, in-car radio handset, but it's got a video screen on it, <laughs> so you can see the chief yelling at them. Uh, and he's like, don't don't go in there, don't try and bust Torres, and Machete just crushes it in his hand. Really bold. Uh, I like that he called them up to let them know. He's like, hey, I know you're thinking about it. Don't you dare do that. <laughs> and not five seconds later... The, the 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 drug lord minions unload on the car, only hitting the passenger side, immediately killing Danny's partner, Machete's partner, in oh. like the shortest credit opening credits to dead partner time I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> I I thought he killed him in the crash. Yeah, I also thought he just like backed yeah. up into a bunch of dudes and killed his partner. Yeah, like, I, I thought he, like, they, he was, like, gunning it at them, and they were all shooting, and it was, like, glancing off of them, and he just, like, gunned it into the, he, like, blast the car through the wall, and just, with no regard for anyone's safety, and just murders his partner. I, I think he, he does do all those things, but I'm pretty sure you see his partner get shot in the head as they unload. Okay, yeah, I'll take um, that. But yeah, I mean... Yeah, Machete wouldn't no. hurt his partner. No, he's a man of principle. Um, as is clarified later in the film. <laughs> um, but yeah, then Machete like kills a bunch of minions with his machete, uh, does some sweet flips. He goes straight up Hotline Miami. On yeah. The uh, literally, there's like, some top-down shots. Yeah, and like, <laughs> like carries out like the, the new drugged-out woman. Yeah, so he <laughs> finds... He's, he's there to rescue a kidnapped girl. Um and he finds her, and she's fully naked on a bed, and he, like, picks her up and carries her out. And there's actually something kind of interesting about how he immediately finds a fully naked woman. Um, 
which is I was reading interviews and Robert Rodriguez was talking about how a tactic he uses or a technique, I guess, in a lot of his films is he front loads gratuitous nudity. Because if you see someone, you know, full frontal naked in the first five minutes, you will assume everyone else is naked throughout the film. Wait, what? So, like, there's very little nudity uh, from any of the leading actresses, and some of it was actually digitally added in post-production, like they erase swimsuits and things. Um... But basically, if you if you see someone naked really early on, you'll go, oh, this is one of those movies. And then if you see people in, like, revealing but not actually naked shots later, your brain's kind of like, oh, yeah, they're oh naked. God. So he, he does it to, like, psychologically sex up anything that, like, while, while still keeping within the boundaries of the, like, the actors and actresses that he works with. Exactly. Yeah, apparently he does the same thing in uh, Sin City, has nudity right at the start, and then it's just risque throughout the rest of it. That's brilliant. Uh, Speaking of nudity, yeah, so uh, um, after she predictably betrays Machete uh, by stabbing him in the leg, she then does, I think it's basically Robert Rodriguez doing the same thing of like setting your expectations for how crass the film will be. Uh, she immediately uh, grabs a cell phone to uh, to call her boss, Torres. But she's naked. Where does she have a cell phone? Where indeed. <laughs> is, there, is there a jingle you'd like to do, Ryan? Ring, 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 vagina phone. <laughs> oh, man, it's so good. It's like, because, so part of the promise of this movie is that this is a grindhouse film, right? Like, and the whole thing is like grindhouse as like this neo genre is it's like neo exploitation films where they're like love letters to the quirks of exploitation films. So it's like exploitation films were trying to do something and had all of this like unintended shit that it did from just being like sloppy and people actually like the sloppy part and not what the exploitation film was actually trying to do. (laughs) And like, so like the in like these movies are definitely trying to recapture like that kind of feel. So just like front loading and like setting all these expectations by hitting like everything at eleven immediately, you know, just like yep, there's a vagina phone. Um, yeah, and honestly, I think if I have a complaint about the film, it's that it doesn't really manage. I mean, I I know they're intentionally cranking it very hard at the start, but. The movie doesn't quite live up to the ridiculousness of the premise, I think, for the rest. There's there's moments of, like, sheer glorious silliness um, that we can get into. But it, it, the movie's, I think it's, like, an hour and 45 minutes long, and I think it would have been perfect around, like, 85 minutes. Because um, there's just, once we get into the actual the meat of it, because the, all that stuff is sort of the, the prologue, where the crime boss shows up, has Machete's wife for some reason, kills her. We cut forwards three years, and now um, Machete's a, a sort of a an itinerant uh, day laborer, wandering Texas, and we're suddenly introduced to, like, four different factions of people. <laughs> wait, wait, but before, before he gets introduced to all those factions and everything, he gets set up, right? But, like... 
So basically what happened is he gets picked up, like like someone's trying to like get a, like a gardener for the day from Home Depot, and it's that this guy's like, oh yeah, so, and he, he, like he's rattling off the stuff he does, like, oh yeah, hedges are this much, like, I can like clean your house for this much, and he's like, how about killing a man? <laughs> like, literally just, and like that was the bad guy's plan, they did not intentionally pick up Machete, they just thought they grabbed some random day laborer. Yeah. And were like, yeah, like, assassinate this senator with this sniper rifle. Yeah, because the, the, the movie, uh, the actual premise is quite complex because you've got uh, Senator McLaughlin, who's trying to, like, pass stricter immigration laws, is also, like, a violent racist who goes around shooting people trying to cross the border with this vigilante leader called Vaughn, and then under McLaughlin is Booth, who's trying to get him re-elected, and without McLaughlin knowing, hires Machete, who he thinks is just a regular day laborer, to shoot McLaughlin, but it's a setup. They're going to kill Machete and blame him for trying to shoot McLaughlin in order to get more votes. Yeah, well, and they shoot him in the leg. Right. They have another sniper who shoots him in the leg and then shoots Machete in the neck. So already we've got kind of like four moving factions with different motivations. And you haven't even gone to the underground, like, railroad. Right, because then we also have Luce and the network who are, I guess, kind of just like a support unit for Machete. They don't really have any, like, moving parts of their own. Um, There's also the the ICE agent who, in uh, what is almost surely illegal, like camps out at the site where the the day laborers get food and just harass people for their papers all day. The same person in the food, who runs a business, like of course she's a citizen. She has like and like makes her keep her papers in her food truck. Yeah, and, so like... she she comes back and like it's clear that she has been here multiple days or weeks. And is, like, harassing Luz and keeps asking her for her papers. I think it's implied that she kind of suspects that Luz is uh, the leader of the network. But, like, why, why... If you thought someone was an underground leader of a network, like, why would you come back day after day and remind her that you're watching her? <laughs> so, yeah, the, the movie sets up kind of, like, all these different factions... And then it has to spend a lot of time jumping back and forth between them for, like, who's where, who is going where, and then, like, who's doing what. And and a lot of it doesn't really matter, because eventually, like, everyone shows up at the network's hideout. How do they know where it is? Unexplained. Just everyone ends up there whenever they're like, let's go see the network. <laughs> um... When uh, Santana, the ICE agent, um, visits the network, they just immediately tell her everything they do. They Like, come on in. Here's who's involved, what we do, um, what you're going to do about it. Like, it doesn't actually need that many factions because ultimately it kind of just throws them away whenever it's convenient. Yeah, I actually forgot about all of the, like, the racist militia, even though they were the main villains. Yeah, I, for- I forgot about them until they... Because they- it seems like they show up in the first scene that's uh, 
very reminiscent of um, like American Gods' new scene, um, where like Jesus comes and saves a bunch of uh, people crossing the border from being shot. It's like they've got the same truck and everything. It's kind of impressive. Um, but like they, uh, the racist militia shows up there, and then basically, I feel like at the end when they're fighting against the the network and all of their various allies. Yeah, they they basically exist just to give the movie a third act of like, <laughs> we need some people we can shoot the shit out of and not feel bad, and also to deliver poetic justice to McLaughlin at the very end. Um, yeah. In a in a great scene, but we can we can tag that later. Because um, you will notice actually throughout the movie, Machete he kills some people, but oh, I mean, when he kills, he he kills people. Yeah, but there's like a lot of guys he doesn't kill, like all the private security guards and things. He just sort of like scares. Um, So I I feel like they needed the racist militia to have people who, at the end, you can just have Machete go off on, and it's it's fine. They're racist. Don't worry about it. Can we can we talk about like that brilliant moment with the henchmen, um, with the private like the private guards and everything? There's there's like basically a bit where like there's kind of like a callback bit where like at one point he runs into these guys um, who are like defending this house, and he comes after one of them with a weed whacker. Um, because you know the the movie's got a big like um, day laborer theme, um, like very like Mexican like illegal immigrant theme. Um, yeah, he he shows up with the weed whacker and like a pickaxe in order to sort of go undercover, I guess, because they're like, <laughs> hey, you ever notice how we just let any any Mexican with garden tools into our homes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, an incredible thing about this movie. Is as an exploitation movie, it really. Like, more so than most, like, Grindhouse movies I've seen, it really taps into that exploitation movie thing of they all had these, like, really radical political messages that they would just beat you over the head with in the most, like, woke white dude way. <laughs> like, every, like, Shaft or, like, any, like, black exploitation movie, like, Black Dynamite was definitely, like, a parody of that kind of mentality and everything. And Machete's definitely, like, in that vein kind of like a mexploitation movie. I think that's actually that's what Robert Rodriguez calls his films, right? Oh, mexploitation. All of them. But I think uh that's true, although a lot of those movies were not white created or directed. Yeah. So it it, it was in a woke every kind of dude way. Yeah, yeah. Or at least a, a woke Mexican dude kind of <laughs> way. I'm going to be I'm going to find out that Robert Rodriguez is actually like Spanish and get for this. <laughs> no, he's Mexican. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, um, I was mostly I wasn't really referring to the people who created it or anything. I'm more the way it tells its message, right? Like it's so over the top and so like just self congratulatory with like any like political message it does. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um. So <laughs> it's um. Yeah, so he busts out, like, the weed whacker and everything and, like, keep, like uh, knocks, like, the gun away from one of the guards. And every time he keeps trying to reach for it, it, like, hits his hand with it. And it's the one with, like, the little, like, flipping plastic and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> later in the movie, they kind of reprise that scene when he shows up with, like, a gnarly kill-you weed whacker that's just, like, basically lawn- exposed lawnmower blades. 
Um, and as soon as he turns that on and starts approaching the guard, the guard immediately is just like, no, I quit. I'm good. I'm just, fuck this. Like, and just walks away. <laughs> like, in this, like, and I, I love that too as part of, like, the Grindhouse movie because those movies have that expectation of just as much gore and violence as possible. So when you see that setup, you're like, oh, he's going to get chopped. And, like, they just immediately deny you that. <laughs> it's like, perfect moment of levity. Um, but I also, I just love that, uh, you, you, like, that's, that's what I would do if I was a henchman in that situation. <laughs> like, you know? it, it comes on the back of a scene, too, where all the henchmen are standing around, and one of them's like, have you guys noticed that our boss is, like, an asshole? <laughs> they have a total, are we the baddies conversation. <laughs> Yeah, and I like that, like, part of, you know, part of the, like, exploitation thing is the main character is always fucking amazing, right? And Machete has his moral code, where he doesn't harm these relatable henchmen. <laughs> Only the violent racists who kill innocent people. It's not to say that the movie does not have some glorious moments of ultra-violence, though. Oh my goodness. There's a part at the start where he gets, um... I don't remember which goddamn faction it was, but Machete's in a car. Oh, he's he's in the car with some, like, fake police officers who are planning to kill him. And he stabs one of them through the driver's seat with his machete. And then is twisting the machete back and forth to steer the car. <laughs> um, yeah, Machete uses, <laughs> uses the whole buffalo when it comes to henchmen. Um... <laughs> Like he uses the whole buffalo when it comes to machetes. <laughs> yeah, that that is well. He's very handy with machete um, in many many a way. But uh, and another example is there's a point where he escapes from a like a window um, when he's in literally cornered. the next scene. <laughs> yeah, by uh, disemboweling a man. Oh oh, and okay, in the scene right before this, there's a little bit where they, for no yes, reason, have a conversation. About like nurses are like working on him or something, yeah. And then like this like well of course the the vigilante doctor has two sexy nurses that work with him, um and uh they're all having a conversation about where they have to be educated by the smart big doctor man um on the length of human intestine, which is completely unrelated to like they're working on. Machete's like shoulders. Yeah, it's like also, bullet wound. <laughs> because I have uh, no sense of humor, I'm like, how do these? How did these nurses go through nursing school without knowing the length of a human intestine? Why is this in the film? This is such a dumb line of dialogue. <laughs> they're sexy nurses, Vivian. They don't need to know anything. But they're still like they're helping him operate. They clearly know their shit. But like. <laughs> They, they they went to sexy medical school. Yeah. <laughs> They've got sexy doctorates. It's a, it's a very like uh, it's very practically oriented education. They're not they're not very like book smart. I see. I see. Um, they're not the book smart. They're for. just yeah. They're just bullet wound smart. Yeah. Exactly. And um. But so they first while they're working on this bullet wound, they're like, huh? Funny. Human intestines are real long. Like you could totally like I don't know swing from the top story of this building down to the bottom story of this building using like that length of intestine. <laughs> and yes, he does that. Um, he jumps out a window with a man's intestines in his in his hands while that man yeah, is still we, alive. We saw him like grab the intestine, and we were all just like, "Oh!" 
<laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, that, that completely moronic conversation in the previous scene. Yeah. Makes sense. We, we basically spent the time from when they first brought up the, like, 60-foot fact to the time when he starts to, like, grab this dude's intestines and jump out of the building with them, making fun of how dumb that dialogue was. I mean, it, it stopped us. Like, we, I actually don't remember any moment of the movie between those. Like, it was basically they're talking yep. about it, and then all of a sudden it cuts to him ripping the guy's guts out. Well, if... If you don't remember any part of the movie between those scenes, you miss my absolute favorite line of the movie. So, so Machete's wheeled into this this hospital, um, like fading in and out of of consciousness. They're doing like the swirly, you know, vision double vision filter on it. He's out of it. Um, the moment the bad guys show up at the hospital, fully conscious, up planning how to kill them all. Um, but he's in this hospital, and he doesn't have his, his machete, he doesn't have any weapons. So he's, he just starts, like, going through all the surgical tools and grabbing them, and the doctor goes, Oh, you don't want that. That's a skull scraper. You know, we use that to scrape the flesh off the skull. He picks up some knives. Oh, you don't want those. They cut through flesh like butter. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to fuck around with that, dude. That would just totally eviscerate a henchman. Yeah, I Perhaps love opening that up method. his intestine for you to grab it, pull it out, and then use it to rappel down to a lower story. That's now my favorite form of exposition, and like, oh, it's just so good. Someone warning you about the dangers of the tools that you're picking yes, up. Yes, yeah, the tools you're going to use on enemies. Yeah, that should be like the beginning of every Bond movie and stuff like that. No, oh, like, yes. Like, oh, Bond, don't pick... Don't pick that watch. If you press this button, it shoots out an incredibly dangerous laser that can destroy everyone in the room's eyes. Yeah, like, Q, like, lays out. Like, he just unfurl. Like, he opens up the briefcase, and there's, like, all the shit in there. And then is just like, here you go, Bond. Uh, take your pick. And every time Bond's hand hovers over something new, he's like, oh, you don't want that one. That one yeah. can be used to, uh, perhaps shoot a dart, uh under the table at the Siberian Prime Minister and <laughs> cause him to fall fall asleep at a timely moment during uh, perhaps a Duke's Toast? <laughs> Which happens later in the movie. <laughs> I'm wondering what kind of James Bond movie he's been watching. <laughs> Very regal ones. <laughs> I expect you to dine, Mr. Bond. Oh. That's what it's like, right? I haven't... <laughs> I haven't seen a Bond movie in a really long time. <laughs> There's a bunch of other really fun touches uh, in the film. You've got, of course, Cheech Marin is uh, Machete's brother, also an ex-Federale, who's now a priest who has a church like outfitted with a ton of surveillance equipment and also shotguns. Um, I don't think they ever really explain why he's so armed. But I think that's a big thing in Robert Rodriguez films, where, like, he just has these random, like, I'm too old for the shit dudes who just happen to be just packing heat. And they're usually people who have absolutely no reason to be as well-armed as they are. And there's kind of this, like, wink-nudge, like, we have a past together kind of thing. Like, he's he's basically creating characters from spinoff movies, which I really, really want to see Cheech as... <laughs> A fucking murder priest. <laughs> You're right that, like, the whole movie sort of exists in this heightened, like, 
action movie world. Like, there's a a scene uh, right before the final fight where Machete goes to this like chop shop um, to like round everyone up and like prep an armada of all these like low riders, low riders, <laughs> and guys on um, on like uh, you know big ass motorbikes and shit. Um, he gets there. And before he says it's time to go to war, they're already strapping miniguns on a car. <laughs> this is just like a thing that they do. Yeah, I don't think they even like establish that they're. I think they're. It's implied that they're supposed to be part of the network. But I like. I like to think of it as he's. He's. He just shows up at this random chop shop, and they're like just. Pimpin' rides with machine guns. I mean, maybe he... Uh, Michelle Rodriguez is in this movie, so maybe he just wandered into... Uh, like, she was actually preparing for some uh, Fast and the Furious, like that gang's schemes. <laughs> same and universe, it, same universe. Yeah, also the same universe. All movies take place in the same uh, cinematic universe. Um, yes, fact that we just made up. <laughs> yeah, not all of them, but they are all grouped together. Like, no movie ever exists in a vacuum anymore even retroactively we are we're stitching together movies into new potential uh past cinematic universes what you're saying is this is just like dc with uh with the watchmen that's what we're that's who we are now (laughs) i like to think that that all of the podcasts we make are in the same uh auditory universe <laughs> i mean we could do the um like max fun drive thing where like we all switch yeah i like it i like it <laughs> it's very self-indulgent because none of us have any listeners but <laughs> <laughs> but I like, like i yeah i can finally do my uh my cameo on hypocrisy <laughs> and then someone slightly different will will host the garbage club <laughs> don't forget pretentious game ideas Oh, it's all forgot, part of yeah. our stable of podcasts. Look out, McElroy's. <laughs> <laughs> getting, getting back to Machete. Oh, yeah. We're talking about There's an interesting thing watching it, because I think we assumed watching it that essentially they'd made the trailer as just a collection of hilarious and contextless snippets. Yeah. Um, and the movie was an excuse to string them together. It seems like the the script already existed, at least in a, a you know, a sort of like a nascent, yeah, nascent form. Thank you. That's the word I wanted. Um, and so, with that in mind, I do feel like again, maybe the movie just being a little bit too long. But there's moments which are absolutely fucking hilarious and perfect in the trailer that don't land as well in the actual movie. The main one I'm thinking of being, um, there's an incredible bit in the trailer. Because in in the trailer, they're doing all of these, like, the narrator sort of saying, like, Machete, he kills the bad guys. He gets the girls. And for the get the girls part, uh, we see Booth uh, going, like, picks up a phone and goes, where are my wife and daughter? And then it cuts to Machete in a pool, making out with the wife and the daughter fully nude at the same time. (laughs) And it's, like, that juxtaposition is great in the trailer. And then in the movie, 
we see the scene where Machete seduces uh, April and the mother. Okay, seduces is he walks up and looks at them, which, well, if you're Danny Trejo, is enough. I mean, That counts, yeah. But, like, the setup for that scene is that the daughter has convinced the wife slash her mother to do a, like, porn shoot with her, basically, with their, their normal gardener. So, like, Machete didn't actually need to do much. He just, like, showed up as the gardener, <laughs> oh, and they were like, because the, the line is literally like, oh, you're not the normal guy, whatever, it's fine. Machete just happened to be impersonating a gardener and then was like, wow, they fucked their gardener? Dope. <laughs> and just jumped on it. But, but then Machete takes the tape and sends it to Booth and was also... That's the resolution of the scene where Machete sneaks into uh, Booth's house using the weed whacker. So, like... Was that his goal all along? Did Machete know they were going to be there? I think No, I think his goal was to, like, kidnap the senator. But, like, the senator wasn't there, but the wife and daughter were. So he, uh, like, he was talking to his brother about this plan, and that's why he, like, geared up for it. And then he calls his brother afterwards and is like, oh, the senator wasn't here, but I got his wife and daughter. And the, the brother's like, well, what the fuck? That wasn't the plan. Yeah. I think he he has them hostage for a while or something. Yeah. Um, the movie, like, there's not very, like, nothing really has stakes in this movie. Like, things just kind of happen. And yeah. you're, like, it. well, it feels like whenever something is happening, everything is happening, like, like, you keep cutting into the, like, 75% of the way through a story in a lot of scenes in this. And, like, you're just like, whoa, we're here. Like you, you. There's nothing leading into it, and then all of a sudden, like everyone's gearing up, and it's like go time. Um, there's there, there's a lot of sort of like undone consequence because we have um, Luce gets shot in the head at one point. She's fine. She just gets a cool ass uh, eye patch. Yeah. So that that was neat. Um, <laughs> and so that was what the one thing that felt like the movie was like stitching together these trailer scenes. Right? Is so one absolutely hilarious bit in this movie is when they show the trailer scenes the trailer scenes are from like years before and totally different quality and like editing style and everything and they just put those in the movie like it's like you see the movie set up the trailer scene and all of a sudden boom it cuts to Danny Trejo like five years younger (laughs) doing that scene (laughs) like and it's so jarring (laughs) But it's so good. I did actually just rewatch the trailer, and it's interesting because they, they reuse most of the shots from the trailer, but there's a couple they had to reshoot um, because, like, uh, De Niro wasn't in the cast yet and things. But they're, they're still shot, like, it's, this, it's the same camera work and things like they tried to be very true to the trailer when with, with any uh reshoots they did characters make extremely deliberate but nonsensical choices in order to fill their roles in the trailer like Lindsay lohan decides to put on a nun outfit for no goddamn reason um, well, she was naked <laughs> yeah it was the, it was the only clothes that were in the church yeah, <laughs> yeah she's just naked and like like all of that like the whole plot line 
it was to get her naked in that church. So the only clothes she could put on was the nun outfit. So then she could get into that situation. Like, <laughs> and then that kind of pays off in another of the like sort of meaningless characters showing up for no reason, doing things that don't matter. Because that plot line ends with Lindsay Lohan rolls up to the final fight. Um, <laughs> Battles going on. People are dying all over. Yeah, she just walks past everyone. It's unclear how she got there, um, or why she's really good with guns, because I think she grabs an Uzi and then literally shoots the guns out of the hands of everyone else present. Oh, and, like, what's her... what's her horse in this race? <laughs> her well, character so has no motivation other than getting high and fucking gardeners up to this point. But she finds out that, um, at, at this point, uh, Booth, her, her scheming dad, has been killed by the senator... Uh, Robert De Niro, who's found out that, like, he was doing all this shit, like, hiring someone to fire at him and things, and, like, yeah. Um, so she's there. She's found out that the senator killed her dad, so she's there to kill the senator. And she finds him and shoots him in the chest three times and then leaves and is never seen again. But he's wearing a bulletproof vest! <laughs> that's not even his death! And that's a great I don't even twist. remember that being, like, set up at all. It's just, like, a thing that happened. So... Yeah, there. Well, I mean, there was no setup. <laughs> she literally just rolls up to the final battle that she has no stake in. <laughs> yeah, I just don't. I don't remember him being like, like. There's no reason for him to survive that scene except for his like ultimate comeuppance, which is yeah. I mean, he, That's way more important. It, it is pretty important, <laughs> but like, she could have just not found him or <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they clearly just wanted that last visual of like. And it's a cool visual, but it, it doesn't really provide a satisfying resolution to any plot. But, okay, so we're going to get to that super satisfying resolution. But before that, I did want to comment on uh, that scene was an incredible use of something that I think Robert Rodriguez does really, really well, which is establishing, like, laws in his cinematic universe that aren't necessarily, like, real. But then when he violates them, it's, like, a tell. Right? So when Lindsay Lohan shoots the guy three times in the chest, it's not this giant bloody explosion, <laughs> which it, every other gunshot wound has been in this movie. Um, yeah, I commented, like, looks his like head didn't blood. explode. That was very restrained. <laughs> yeah. Like, Maybe it's in Robert it was... De Niro's claws, like a no-exploding head. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's very clean. Which is the tell that he didn't actually, you know, die. Like, it was a, a bulletproof vest that whole time and shit like that, which I thought was just brilliant. Like, <laughs> just like, we we hit, we hit this twist and we were very obvious about it by just violating this ridiculous law we added <laughs> to, like, our movie. Um, but the, the really satisfying, like, resolution, though, is he ends up dressed as a day laborer for some reason <laughs> let, let let's just go through the um the that third act like final shootout real quick because that's a that's a hell of a thing with all the characters coming together because it, it starts with vaughn and the border vigilantes have captured the senator who came to them because he wanted to, like, ride with them one last time and kill Machete. But then the border vigilantes are like, uh, no, you fucked up, and we're gonna execute you live on air. 
which they call a simulcast, which really dates this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so they're all there. Uh, Booth is dead. The machete and the network arrive with their army of lowriders, have a big-ass shootout. During this, the network rescues the senator for some reason. Don't know why they don't just kill him. It's because the racist want him dead, and the network is just down to fuck the racist. So they're like, we're going to give you a gun, but you have to dress up like a Mexican day laborer. <laughs> like, you, you have to look the part. Oh, they also, so they actually did live stream him being captured, and they basically sabotage his whole career, which is why he doesn't just, like, go back to being the senator. They, like, exposed him as someone who was, like, murdering people crossing the border for fun. Right. Yeah, and, I mean, they also had the footage of Booth literally crucifying a priest. Yeah, it, it wasn't oh. a good day for any of the villains. <laughs> Sorry, Cheech. Yeah, it, I mean, like, Cheech had a, I think Cheech had a considerably right. worse day <laughs> than anybody involved. Um, fucking Santana, the immigrations officer, shows up, who's flip-flopped on her, like, hardline right-wing, the law is the law thing, and now it says that laws only matter if they're right. So now she's fighting with the network for some reason. I mean, Danny Danny Trejo, like, got into her. Wink. Uh, she, she's very Bond girl in this movie. Um, but she doesn't betray him because, like, you can't... Once you've had... Once you have the Trejo, you can't betray her. Oh. Pretty good. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, she's there, then April shows up, shoots the senator, fails, leaves. Uh, then Torres shows up, the villain from the very start of the movie, played by Steven Seagal, shows up to oh, have yeah. a katana versus machete fight with machete. <laughs> he doesn't exist in this movie! He's the main like he's the uber villain right like in in anim- like it's an anime thing right mm-hmm. where like they have like the whole story and the plot and the main bad guy that they have to beat and when they beat that bad guy then it's like oh by the way omega god is behind all of this and like they just pull like this random massive like uber deep villain out of their asshole and are like now it's time for the final battle in space like <laughs> and they, they just do with this to be fair to this movie it's not quite that bad uh like basically at the end of every act they have steven seagal like on on voip uh like they have him on skype and uh he's he keeps telling them like oh well if you can't get machete like i'm gonna have to do this thing and like it, it causes the villains to like up their plan by whatever I I love that they did not intend to get this dude. Like, they're just like, we grabbed a random day laborer, and then he just starts fucking them up, and they're immediately like, oh, we got Machete! Like, they they immediately know who he is, and like, like figure it out, and... I mean, when half of your dudes get murdered by Machete, like, the object Machete, you gotta assume that you grabbed Machete, the dude. <laughs> But, like, basically, Steven Seagal is a consultant in this movie on <laughs> foiling Machete. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it turns out he, he didn't have the goods, because, uh, he gets stabbed, and then, of course, commits, uh, commits seppuku, uh, because, you know... Buy, buy Machete. Live yeah. by the waifu, die by the waifu. <laughs> uh, it's... 
I, I, that's what I love about exploitation movies is when a character has a bit, they take it to like unending extremes and yeah, like usually to their death, like they will tweak how they die based on their bit. Um, so his whole Japanophile bit after he gets stabbed in the gut with that machete is just like, there's only one way I'm going to go down. I've been defeated. I need to, uh. Harry Curry myself. So, okay. So now we're at a point uh, where basically all the villains are dead. Machetes uh, made out with... Uh, all of the women. All of the women. Oh, yeah. Literally all of them. Vaughn, the vigilante leader, gets killed by Michelle Rodriguez sort of perfunctorily during the final battle. Um, but wait, because the senator survived... And he's just running away, you know, down the Texan road along the border. He's he's gonna be home scot free. And he's got that poncho and that uh that radial like Texas hat. Yeah, I mean he he's equipped uh equipped to escape, right? Mm-hmm. He, he's gonna do it. In. But then what's this? The last remaining racist vigilantes roll up, and they're like, "Hey, look, you know, it's it's a it's a Mexican." He he must be an illegal. What do they do? First, they chase him into an electric fence. So Robert De Niro is presumably like pissing himself and slowly getting electrocuted to death. The, the, the electric border fence, which he had installed. Oh. Yeah, it has to be ultimate poetic justice. I did not realize he installed that personally. Yeah, it's it it's his Trump fence, like. He, he built it, and then he got chased into it, and yeah, while pissing himself, electrocuted to death by his own hubris, he also gets gunned, gunned a lot in the body. Yeah, and uh, this is also the, like, baby racist he's been training this whole time. There's this one <laughs> dude who's, yes! uh, oh he God. used to be, in the beginning of the movie, or like, his, this dude's whole gimmick is that he throws up when, like, any violence happens. Near him, around him, if it's mentioned, he's very squeamish. Um, but then his, his last scene is serving as Robert De Niro's ultimate comeuppance when he, uh, he's finally, you know, grown an iron stomach and, uh, shoots Robert De Niro to death. Yeah. His head does not explode, so I'm still not convinced he didn't have that no exploding head clause. I mean, he, he, yeah, he also might have survived. So. Oh. It's true. We, we still have to watch the sequel, Machete yeah. Kills. It's true. It's true. And then the sequel to the sequel, Machete Kills Again <laughs> in Space. <laughs> Wait, is it actually in space? That, yeah, uh, yes, yes. Uh, they, they haven't released it yet, but sort of when Machete Kills uh, came out, they put a trailer for Machete Kills Again in space. I think before it, like, before you watch Machete Kills, you see the trailer for the next movie. I love this. I... Oh my god, like... So, like, everyone's, like, losing their shit over, like, Marvel and, like, the shit they do with, like, their movies and everything, and it's just so boring. It's like, yeah, we put... we They put an ad for their next movie at the end of each movie, right? Like... That's weak shit! Put the ad for your next movie before your movie! Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> everything they're doing with this, like, this trilogy that is built out of a trailer in an homage to a style of movie you do, 
<laughs> like there's a lot of layers here and I, lo- I i love every layer of them it's a delicious parfait or an onion or a cake <laughs> just like all of the things you can think of with layers okay uh, th- there's one detail that we didn't touch on which i think we should because we we briefly mentioned earlier that uh machete has a code of honor he's a gentleman and a and a murderer um <laughs> <laughs> a common stereotype so so uh i think he does eventually uh get with basically every female character in this film. But there's a scene in the middle where Jessica Alba's um, oh yeah, ICE agent Santana, she gets drunk and she's like, I want you. Uh, come to bed with me. And she lies down on the bed and then Machete lies down on the bed and we're like, ah, dude, not cool. She's drunk. It's not a good time. Um, and then in the next scene... We we cut to her waking up. She stretches out. She's still fully clothed. Camera pans over. Machete's just lying in bed, just like a tombstone on his back. Oh my god! Yeah. What what was what did I call it? It was like the ultimate like like platonic cuddle pose. Oh yeah. Like, yes. He, it's a good description. He basically became a mattress. Yeah. He was so platonic right there, and I I I got a lot of respect for that. Like a good. A good platonic friend, like we're sharing a bed, bored pose, takes a lot of a- it takes a lot of core strength to maintain that level of un like just negative sexual energy. He's basically like an upside down planking. <laughs> it's like, it's like like any any you you turn yourself into this black hole of. Uh, of horniness and just just suck any of that just out of the room and just like let it just sponge. yeah yeah just let it just like fester inside you but you just maintain <laughs> like it takes a lot of strength and dan trejo just plays that displays that strength right there as his role <laughs> as machete as he just you know? absorbs jessica alba's drunk horniness um with his just incredible incredible platonic planking you know how I said that uh, Danny Trejo had a, has a face like a like a geologic feature. Mm-hmm. He sleeps like he wants to return to the earth. <laughs> <laughs> when you're not feeling sensual, like we we don't get to, we don't get the treat of seeing Danny Trejo sleeping with someone that he actually sleeps with. You know, it's true. The movie does cut away from any actual. Uh, uh, like sex scenes, we I mean, see him even, kissing a lot of women. I don't, I don't even know if we see him. Like, I think in the scene with like Luz, it cuts away. Like before they even kiss Jessica Alba, I think it was the same thing. They, he, we, he he kisses uh, April and her mother on in camera. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he kisses Luz on camera. He definitely kisses uh, Santana in the final scene because the very last scene is um, he's driving a motorbike down the road. And she pulls up in her squad car and is like, I got you papers, oh, you're right. legal. Yeah. And he says, why do I need papers? I'm already a legend. <laughs> and then they just drive off making out, which is super unsafe. On a, on a motorcycle, which is why it's so unsafe. Mm-hmm. It's pretty unsafe to drive making out in a car. That's true. Again, a lesson we learned from American gods. <laughs> um. Okay, so... uh other movie podcasts where they review bad movies like to just you know either tell you to watch this movie or not watch this movie but uh we think you should watch all of this heart garbage that we watch ourselves um, 
<laughs> so uh, I will start out again. My first one is uh, anyone who saw Shoot 'em Up, but uh, was like, "This this has too many guns." I wish that these guns were machetes. <laughs> you should watch Machete. <laughs> yeah, I want I want a movie where the protagonist does everything with a weapon, but not like a lame ass weapon like a pistol. Like, yeah, I like, mean, what like if he did everything with a machete instead. <laughs> same movie, same movie. We've all seen movies where you know everyone uses a gun. That's too overdone. What about what about the most underused action prop? Uh, last week I said it was carrots. This week I'm saying it's machetes. <laughs> Uh, I also think you should watch Machete if you are very invested in the Spy Kids extended universe. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, yeah, because also the the kid who plays uh, Junie, the the boy lead in Spy Kids, has Whoa. a minor role in this film. <laughs> no! Oh my god! I just holy shit! I did not. Whoa! I know, like I, I, I know who you're talking about. Like the character in the movie. They even comment on how he doesn't belong. They're like, "Dude, you're super white," and he's like, "I'm adopted, asshole." That's something. Like I'm, I was raised Mexican, and like that. That was a one great point about like racial identity and everything. Like, dude, that's his world. Like, don't fuck with that just because he's pale. Um, but like, also. Holy shit, yeah, it's, it's the spy kid wearing a fucking bandana and riding in a lowrider. <laughs> I love this movie a million times more now. Yeah, I also, I had no recollection of this character being in the movie, or, like, I couldn't visualize it at all, but John told me that earlier. That's what he grows up to do! He had all the spy kid's adventures. Before that, that character. Yeah, and then he became a gangster. Or, you know, like a Mexican day laborer. <laughs> he had, like, vague familiarity with uh, Uncle Machete, and, like, now it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so my last reason that you should watch this movie is a pretty obvious one, but I think we should say it anyway. Uh, it's that if you enjoy Danny Trejo and any of his other movies. Yes, oh my god. I highly recommend this movie if you love like black exploitation movies, if you love like just exploitation movies in general. Like this is one of the better executed ones I've ever seen. Um and it hits all of those like notes really really well for the kind of genre. Um I I also highly recommend this movie um if like you you love movies that are extremely self-aware like this movie is so like disturbingly self-aware that it like like every single time it comes up to a bit that was in the trailer it winks nudges you and then shows you the bit from the trailer with no difference in editing like it's so perfect (laughs) man yeah i mean i have to second uh if you've seen danny trejo in basically anything you've thought why is this man not got his own action movie franchise and i mean yeah now he does and you should watch it and then uh like i will watch machete kills i guess um which has lady gaga in it so (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but if i need my own recommendation i'll say watch it if you want some of 
the most amazing costumes I've seen in a movie in a while. Um, specifically thinking of the showdown between uh, Steven Seagal and uh, Machete at the very end, where Steven Seagal has this, like, terrible to, like, white guy Japanese high-collar suit on with these tiny, tiny little nose-pincing red sunglasses, and he he basically looks like a bad Wesker cosplay from Resident Evil. <laughs> Steven Seagal, like, does not look right in this movie at all. Like, that's, I, that's one of the best things, is he does not look like he belongs. He looks so awkward in his outfits and in every scene. <laughs> like, it's really weird... See, like, I get really unsettled watching him in this movie because of how little he belongs. So, yeah, I agree that he it looks like he doesn't belong in this movie, but I think he actually looks way too comfortable in those yeah. things. <laughs> like, I can 100% imagine Steven Seagal with those, like, tiny, like, Morpheus pinch on the, on the bridge, like, glasses, and, like, he carries around a samurai sword all the time. Oh, yeah, they didn't actually, like, uh, actually have costuming for Steven Seagal. They were just, like, come as you are. <laughs> Um, and and he's fighting against Machete, who's got this fantastic, like, almost Crocodile Dundee-style vest, uh, covered in miniature machetes. Yeah, which he throws into most people. Like, he, he uses all the machete. The entire buffalo. The machete buffalo. Um, I think it in the costuming line... It's also very big in this movie because they have a lot of bits where there's a lot of characters of a certain faction getting murdered by another character of that faction of a different faction, right? And they kind of all those scenes actually make sense not because they actually set them up properly or like have any explanation for them, but because all the characters are very well costumed. So you're like, "Oh, yeah, these people are killing each other now." <laughs> like every single time. <laughs> It shines uh, in the final battle the most, for now sure. Now I get it. <laughs> um, so yeah, watch Machete, whether you're, you're young, old, Mexican, not Mexican. Um, Those are the only demographics we serve. Prefer black beans or pinto? <laughs> There's uh, a right you, answer yeah, I that mean, one. If, Yeah, if you're a white bean kind of person, I'd, I highly recommend you don't watch Machete. Not because you won't enjoy it, but because... I want you to not enjoy things oh. ever. Wow. Fighting words. <laughs> and so the Great Bean War started with <laughs> Garbage Club Podcast. <laughs> we die tonight. <laughs> the burrito place by my work does white beans on everything, and I don't understand it. Yeah, it's, it's satanic. Like, get those white-ass <laughs> beans out of my burrito. That's the next occult crimes episode, is people serving white beans. That's, okay, yeah, that's the most Pacific Northwest thing I've ever heard. Like, I guess it gets worse the further up the border you go. Like, like so, like, I, I'm from, yeah, yeah, I'm, like, from Southern California. It was great down there, like, the very brown beans. Um, and then I'm now I'm in the Bay Area, and people are using, like, black beans and burritos sometimes, and, like, like shit tons of cilantro and shit. Um, and then, like, I guess you get all the way up to Washington, and beans are just white. I mean, I think we, like, we do have, I feel like there's a specific type of bean that's, like, a Pacific Northwest white bean or something. It's actually, they're the same as other beans, there's just not enough sun, so they don't tan. <laughs> <laughs> that's my excuse, anyway. <laughs> and, like, I would be, I would actually be brown if I didn't 
you know, work in tech and spend all my time indoors. <laughs> you are you're the true scourge of of this earth. Which, in all fairness, yeah, my brother is brown. I, I would actually, I would be a person of color if I actually went outside at all. <laughs> uh, okay, so do we have movie recommendations? So if you look it up on Netflix, Netflix will be happy to recommend you a bunch of terrible movies that have nothing to do with Machete. Yes. Instead of actually serving up Machete. Um, Let's just say any Garbos that um, want to see, or like if you've already watched Machete and you're looking for uh, another good movie, uh, yeah, just search Netflix for its completely irrelevant recommendation <laughs> system. I, I have recommendations. Yeah, I have actual recommendations. Um, um, yeah, I mean, if if you like Machete, watch basically any other Robert Rodriguez yeah. movie. Planet Terror is hilarious. Uh, the Mexico series, El Mariachi, Desperado, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, are less tongue-in-cheek, but probably more kick-ass than Machete. They're so good. Yeah, Once Upon a Time in Mexico is easily one of my favorite movies of all time, and it's just brilliantly well done. Um, it's by far Johnny Depp's best role he's ever pulled off. Um, fuck you, Pirates of the Caribbean fans, because Once Upon a Time in Mexico is so much better. What about, um, what's that other one? Um, no, Alice in Wonderland, no, he was just what's creepy. What's that, that Hunter Thompson uh, one? Oh, yeah, uh, fucking Fear and Loathing. Yes. No, it's nothing like his character in Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Another really good, um, just like, dumb pulp action movie, which I don't think many people remember, was Doomsday. Um, Neo Marshall movie about post-apocalyptic Scotland, which is split into two tribes, one of, like, heavy metal cannibals, and one of dudes who are basically LARPers who live in castles. It's super violent and and dumb and, and good, so. Um... If you love Machete, I recommend Kung Fury is a lot of fun. Oh, it's really dumb. <laughs> that is it's super memey, but it's extremely well ex- like love it for the same reasons I love Machete in it being like an extremely well executed like people who are way too talented for making the thing they were making were intentionally making that thing, right? And it that shines through in Kung Fury, and in Kung Fury, it's literally thirty minutes long. <laughs> like Kung Fury does not overstay its welcome. <laughs> like it doesn't not even pretend to be a full movie. It's like this is a one bit joke. Um, but it it's got a lot of the same things that make uh, Machete Law fun. Yeah, I also recommend. Uh, let's see, Django Unchained is a great uh, Quentin Tarantino movie that's kind of got in the same like black exploitation set in, like, Deep South, like, pre-Civil War kind of thing going on. Um, so, so it's got that kind of beat you over the head with its political message thing while also being super exploitative and, like, violent and shit like that. Um, yeah, actually, weird. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, yeah, no. Django and Change. That's actually probably, like, the closest movie I can think of for Machete. I mean, I could, I can think of Shoot 'Em Up, but we've, uh, since we're all loyal Garbage Club followers, we've all already seen Shoot 'Em Up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So also, like, I, I wasn't going to mention them because of Shoot 'Em Up, but like, yeah, if you like movies where suddenly just shit just starts getting, it's happening, right? And like things just escalate like unexpectedly, but you're just kind of along for the ride. Uh, Smoke and Aces does that well. Shoot 'Em Up does that well. Um, 
Yeah, those two. All right. Does anyone have anything they want to plug? Oh, yeah. I'm Ryan. I, I mean, I know who I am. Oh. <laughs> I'm Ryan. <laughs> I'm, I'm John. John. <laughs> the the British-sounding one is John. Um, and, uh, yeah, we do a podcast called Hypocrisy. Uh, you can find us at hypocrisy.zone uh, is our website, or at hypocrisy on Twitter. And, yeah, we basically solve all the world's problems by getting really high. Um, we don't, but, like, two, well, yeah, yeah, two other don't. guys who we know called John and Ryan. Yeah. They're very yeah, good. Well, like, we, we just, yeah, a couple of swell dudes, we just basically, they send us the recording from whatever, where the fuck their studio is, and we basically, like, a lot of it's kind of disturbing, but we just feel it's kind <laughs> of our duty to get it out to everybody, so at least it was all not for nothing. All right, and I am Vivian, and you can find more Garbage Club stuff. We have a Twitter. It's at Garbage Club underscore pod. <laughs> and we have a Tumblr, which is thegarbageclubpodcast.tumblr.com. Uh, and our website is thegarbage.club. You can send us an email there, mail at thegarbage.club, uh, and I will read all of them personally and throw half of them in the garbage just because that's that's like our whole gimmick right is that we're garbage i mean it's where we live so you <laughs> yes we all live in trash cans throw them in the garbage means she'll actually read. oh them. yeah yeah if you you can either send me an email or just th- write something on a piece of paper and throw it into the nearest garbage receptacle and i will get it yeah, it's the ones she she doesn't put in the garbage that she's like, no, I'm gonna leave this on the table. Oh yeah, those are the ones I don't read. Are the ones I don't throw in the garbage. That stays in my inbox unread. Yeah, and you can uh, you know rate and review us on iTunes. I don't know what our iTunes link is. Someone has to find it and uh, you know just do it. Http colon slash slash. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> just gave up halfway. Uh, but, and uh, most importantly, I don't really care about iTunes. Uh, besides, unless you want to like share this with your friends, that would be cool. Most importantly, though, uh, you should send us other garbage movies that you really like. Tell us why you like them and why we should watch it, um, and we'll get around to it. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I think that's that is it for the Garbage Club this week. Bye, everyone. Thanks for having me on. Bye. I love you. my absolute favorite line of the movie oh yeah was it um i'm gonna let this fucking plane go by god damn it i don't remember that line <laughs> <laughs>